This is episode 28 with AJ Wilcox of the Entrepreneur's Tribe podcast. We interview some of the most brilliant minds in business and entrepreneurship so you can learn how to maintain success, enjoy its rewards and take it to the next level. Together, we break down all of the myths, legends, struggles and insights behind what it takes for you to join this tribe of successful entrepreneurs to grow and stay ahead of the pack. I'm your host, Joel Ong, of the Entrepreneur's Tribe Podcast, and welcome to the show. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneur's Tribe Podcast. Uh, once again, I would like to thank you for sharing your earbuds with me today, and really spending the time to, you know, listen in on this show means a lot to me, uh, because I know your time is very precious. Um, you could be doing a ton of other things right now, um, instead of listening to the podcast, so really want to appreciate that and uh, your support that uh, in terms of uh, you know sharing this podcast around with friends I mean leaving a review if you found this useful etc and my name is Joel and I'm the host for this show I'm also the founder and video strategist at Tip Your Time and uh, essentially we see videos as a medium as a tool and platform online that uh, can powerfully communicate your message um create authenticity and make you more relatable and personable to whoever you want to speak to, you know, so that you can actually scale your business uh, because now you, de- you then have assets in the form of videos that are installed in your business process to scale up your time, your money and your relationships. So today uh, we have a special guest. His name is AJ and he's a LinkedIn ads pro who founded a company called b 2 Linked. Com, which is a LinkedIn ad-specific ad agency. So he did this in 2014 and, you know, um, also, you know, uh, as official LinkedIn partners, you know, they manage among some of the world's most sophisticated advertising accounts worldwide and he used to, and you hear this more in the podcast uh, episode, he used to run, uh, I think, one of the largest uh, LinkedIn ads account online at the time so it's very interesting uh you get to hear some of the insights on on ads on linkedin and the nature of it and um in his personal life he's also he calls himself a ginger and a triathlete and he and his wife live in utah uh, with four kids and he says that his company car is a wicked fast go-kart so it's pretty interesting uh and he also has a you know free checklist for LinkedIn advertising if anyone wants to um, download that, or you know he also started a podcast called LinkedIn Ads Podcast. So you'll hear more about it in the episode. But uh, just as a quick you know shout out to him, um, I think you'll find that podcast useful as well. So feel free to check it out. Uh, but anyway, you know we talk about uh, quite a lot of stuff. You know. Uh, LinkedIn ads, the difference between LinkedIn and Facebook ads, um, the most important things to an ad on LinkedIn, um, what are the best creatives to start with, um, how do you measure what's a high-performing ad on LinkedIn, you know, uh, the differences between interacting as a company versus a person, um, how to optimize your ads, you know, some core tenets of marketing, and also you know, where LinkedIn is heading towards and uh, how often should you post. So uh, I think you'll find this very useful if you are exploring LinkedIn as a platform or, you know, you want to learn more about you know, expert domain in-depth 
knowledge on LinkedIn because AJ has been doing this for a really long time. He's kind of obsessed with it, which uh, which is very interesting. So yeah, uh, without further ado, let's welcome AJ. So uh, AJ, can you tell me like what made you decide to do what you're doing today? Well, it's funny because I started out my career uh, loving digital marketing, but I called myself an SEO guy. I loved search engine optimization. And for about seven years, I called myself an SEO guy, uh, learned enough about Google ads, enough about Facebook ads to you know, really feel like I could um, be dangerous as like a, a digital marketing manager. And I got brought into a, um, a company. It was actually the last company I worked for. And it, it was a B2B SaaS company. And it was the first time I'd ever done anything with B2B. And so I walk into the new CMO or to my, my new boss, the CMO, and I'm telling her, here's my marketing strategy. And she goes, okay, all of that is great. Go ahead and execute it. But just so you know, we started a pilot using LinkedIn ads about two weeks ago. So see what you can do with it. And I saluted and said, yes, ma'am, absolutely. And walked out of her office going, I've never even heard of LinkedIn ads. They must be terrible. <laughs> but I didn't want to really disappoint my new boss. I didn't want to look bad. And so I started playing with the ads. And uh, within about two weeks, the sales team came up to me raving about the lead quality that I was pushing through, uh, through advertising on LinkedIn. And so long story short, I kept investing, kept investing until I grew that account to become LinkedIn's largest spending account worldwide. And, and after running the largest account for two and a half years, um, I actually ended up getting laid off from that company. And after getting laid off, I went, wow, I know more about LinkedIn ads than probably anyone else on the planet. Uh, the best business model I can think of to help as many people with LinkedIn ads as possible is an agency. And so that's how the agency <laughs> was born. Awesome. And, and when you first, you know, uh, dabbled with LinkedIn ads, you know, uh, when was that? Like what year was it? I started playing with it back in 2011 and. Oh, wow. This is pretty, pretty early. Yeah. I mean. Back then we, there was only one ad type. It was called text ads. And now we have probably nine different ad types. So the platform has grown significantly. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Yeah, and uh, I'm not even familiar with LinkedIn ads at all. So you know, could you could you share with us like um you know what's the what's the what's the blueprint like you know on a on a macro picture of um you you mentioned there are nine different types, right? So it's it sounds similar to Facebook ads, but I know there's differences. So yeah, um, could you could you walk me through that? Yeah, if you have experience with Facebook ads, LinkedIn will sound really familiar. Uh, you know, someone comes in, creates a profile and they like, they will give LinkedIn, you know, here's what my job title is and what company I work for. And so LinkedIn's looking, trying to understand who you are, how big of a company you're at, what industry you're in, what your skills are, what groups you're a member of. And so then on the ad platform side, someone just like Facebook ads can go in and say, Hey, I have an ad that I only want to be seen by people uh, in human resources who are director and above at companies with at least 10,000 employees. And that's mm. the level of sophistication you can get. And it certainly costs more than Facebook ads, 
the average cost per click is usually between about eight to eleven dollars, at least here in North America. Um, yeah. Whereas on Facebook, you might pay one to two dollars per click, but every yeah. single lead generated is from the exact target audience that you you want to go after. So lead quality is incredible, and you do pay more for it. I see. I see. And and also because of the nature of the platform, right? It's more of a professional platform as opposed to uh, Facebook where um, I guess it's more personal in the sense like, um, so in terms of that, uh, how does that affect the, the creative or you know, the way you think about uh, ads on LinkedIn as opposed to other platforms? Joel, it's an amazing question you just asked. It goes a lot deeper than I think what most people think. Uh, when you're on Facebook, you're there to have fun. You're there to be entertained. But on LinkedIn, you're usually there for a reason. You're usually there on a mission trying to do something. And so what Mm. we've found is even though there are a lot of similarities, like uh, both Facebook and LinkedIn have lots of blue on them. So when you post imagery, you want to use lots of orange, lots of red, lots of green to help your ad stand out. But past that, on Facebook, you could write a really long paragraph, a long story, and people will follow along. On LinkedIn, on the other hand, you got to keep it really short, get right to the point, respect their time and immediately let them know what, where the value is for them. And that's how you get a high performing ad on LinkedIn. I see. And, um, and, and what about, you know, text versus images versus video, especially, um, I'm curious, like, uh, is there a substantial difference just in the you know, the nature of the medium you use for the creative or, you know, is it like anything, it boils down to, like you say, uh, the value proposition or, you know, the way that you design the messaging. So, uh, because I know, I think Facebook substantially, uh, video performs much better, right? Just even organically. Yeah. But on LinkedIn, you know, does that make a big difference? So I could have the same messaging, but, you know, I should use, you know, a certain medium or is it more of, you know, it's, it's medium agnostic, but um, the messaging is much more uh, crucial? Yeah, there are definitely nuances in the way that the messaging comes across um, that are specific to LinkedIn. But I would say to preface this, by far the most important thing you can do with, uh, with an ad, no matter what your message looks like, no matter what ad format uh-huh. you're using, um, if your offer is something that they consider irresistible – you can really do no wrong. Um, you know, if, if you're saying right from an ad, you know, click here to talk to our sales rep. Uh, no one wants to click that. This is just, it's, yeah, they're not here on the platform <laughs> trying to find vendors to give money to. They're usually doing something else. So on the other hand, if you go to them and say, hey, here's this report that we created that you know, will teach you about your industry or join this free webinar where we're going to teach you X, or download this free yeah. cheat sheet you can use as a, as a resource. Um, if you can do something like that that really gives them a lot of value, uh, you'll see conversion rates of 15% or higher, which is what we're all, all was looking for. So that being said, wow. as long as you have a yeah. good offer, um, the real nuances in the messaging come down to, you know, Facebook video works really well because it's cheap and there's really good retargeting. On LinkedIn, right. video is expensive and there's no retargeting yet. <laughs> so <laughs> there are some people who are doing a great job with LinkedIn video ads, but it's pretty high risk. 
Um, so I would recommend everyone start with just image and text in what they call, you know, single image sponsored content and say, you'll only pay by the click. And that way it takes away all of your risk. If you have a bad ad that no one wants to click, it doesn't charge you anything. I see. I see. Yeah. I've, uh, I've noticed that I'm being targeted on LinkedIn for one video, which is, you know, I think a client of Gary V, right. It's, it's been running and spinning all the time. I keep seeing it all the time as well. Um, Um, yeah, so, uh, for, you know, for, for LinkedIn, I'm curious, like, uh, especially ads, I got a buddy of mine, uh, Michael Convery, uh, he's one of the earlier podcast guests on the show. And I was asking him about ads and how he, how he thinks about it. He, he, he used this, this, uh, this saying that you want to run your winners long and then cut your, cut your uh, losers short. Um, so in terms of, you know, how you test stuff on LinkedIn, um, is there such a thing like ad sets or, you know, um, does the same, does the same process work, um, uh, on LinkedIn? And, um, I'm not even sure the right question to ask. Like, um, is there, is there slight, slight tweaks or adjustments or modifications you should, we should do towards, um, towards testing on LinkedIn? Um, say for example, if you have experience in other platforms, um, are those experiences transferable in the sense of like um, how you test ads? Uh, what what criteria or measurements do you look at? Um, and how long do you test before you say, okay, this is a well-performing ad on LinkedIn as opposed to uh, I think it's poor and we need to change something up? Oh, I love that philosophy. Um, we do exactly the same thing on LinkedIn. If we launch something and it's immediately successful – uh, let's say we're, we know we have a high engagement rate, uh, a high engagement rate on our ads that tells us that we are, um, hitting the audience. They're, they're liking what we're saying. And then we have a high mm. conversion rate when they get to our landing page, showing us that the offer we're giving them is something they're interested enough in to, to give up their information. So if you see that happening nice. right out of the gate, I will let that ad go until it stops working. And we have this right. thing, you know, yeah just like you talked about the skills being transferable, uh, everyone talks about ad saturation on Facebook and how you always have to be um, switching things up because people see the same ads all over and uh, end up just kind of becoming blind to it. On LinkedIn, the same thing occurs, but because people spend so much less time on LinkedIn than on Facebook, it takes longer for that to occur. So oftentimes, if I have a great ad running, I could run that for an entire month and not see any saturation. So to answer that question about when do I cut it off, if in the first, let's say 20 clicks, if I have a a click through rate that is, you know, even around benchmark. And so for sponsored content, the main ad format, I I recommend everyone use the benchmark is around 0.4%, a little bit less than half a percent. So if I'm anywhere Mm -hmm. near benchmark, I'm going to say, we're not getting our audience right here. They, they're not getting the value. Let's try something new. Yeah. And I'm always shooting for something like a 0. 0.6, 0. 0.8, um, maybe even like a 1.2% to tell me that I'm actually doing a really good job. I see. And and in terms of uh, what's the relationship between um, what you notice that performs well organically on LinkedIn as opposed to what's paid or sponsored? You know, so 
say, uh, could I, I'm, I'm thinking of an idea where, you know, I could test 10 different polls organically uh, based on, you know, my profile and, and who, who I'm connected with, seeing what works well with my audience and then picking that and then saying, okay, let's, let's, uh, let's create 20 different sponsored ads based on that one well-performing, well, high en- highly engaged, uh, organic uh, post, you know, whatever that may be. Um, does that work? And also, you know, um, is that something that is um, worthwhile exploring? Or, you know, should we just go directly, um, you know, to just testing 10 different or 30 different um, sponsored posts then? Yeah, it's a really smart question. What is so good about LinkedIn ads is you get a really tight grouping. Um, It's like a a closed focus group whenever you launch an ad. So when you launch something organically, you don't know who that audience is. So it could be performing really, really well. But let's say the reason it's performing well is because people in the arts like it. Whereas Mm, if you actually launched it to your target audience, who was, let's say, marketers um, in, I don't know, construction. It's a terrible example. But um, what you might find is, this piece is not resonating with your actual audience, but it still did well organically. So I do like to test things on ads first just to see if people like it. And within, uh, you know, 20 to a hundred clicks, I can find out pretty quickly whether an audience likes an offer or not. And um, that will obviously tell me what I can do organically. But at the same time, the way that people interact on LinkedIn with a company is very different from the way that they interact with a person. So when you share something personally, uh, people like you, Joel, like they, they want to pat you on the back. They want to like your stuff. They want to comment because they like how much value you're providing. But when they see Mm -hmm. a company, it's kind of a faceless organization and they're not going to cheer for you the same way. They're not going to interact the same way. So I do like testing offers organically just to see, you know, if no one likes it, if no one comments, maybe it's not great, but I would still probably try advertising first just to make sure that, you know, my exact target audience uh, for sure doesn't like it before I test something else. Mm, Yeah. And it's interesting. Uh, And, and I was thinking about this dilemma, you know, it's like they may like you as a person, but they may not buy your offer. True. Or take it up. Right. Um, And it's interesting because, you know, um, what I try to do sometimes with, you know, uh, people who try, who are running companies is um, I try to put a face to it. Right. Because it's so impersonal sometimes, Um, which is why I think uh, video was working really well on Facebook because it puts a face to the company and kind of uh, makes them more relatable. But since you talked about, you know, I mean, uh, it's not the best thing to perhaps start off with on LinkedIn. Um, for for someone who, you know, is uh, like yourself, you know, who's been running LinkedIn ads for a while, um, you know, beyond just uh, the things that you have said, um, what are the... I mean, how do you, what questions do you ask yourself when it comes to optimizing the ad even further? You know, be it getting your, uh, you know, your churn rate down, the conversions higher, um, you know, making it more profitable as an advertising platform. Oh, super smart question. I ask myself first, which, uh, which area is my ad failing or which area has the most 
improvement to do. So if I see a low click-through rate, uh, I'm not even paying attention to the conversion rate yet. I know my ads have trouble getting someone to take action, and I need to make them more appetizing first. And so then I'll concentrate on, you know, do, does my ad copy reflect uh, value to the, the prospect very quickly? And if not, I'll try to adjust that. Uh, or does my image grab their attention? Because if it looks just very much like a stock photo, those don't stand out on LinkedIn because everyone's sharing stock photos. So mm. I'm, I'm paying attention to that. But if I launch and I have a great click-through rate, let's say I'm like 0.8%, I've kind of uh, checked that box that, hey, engagement's good. Now I need to look at conversion. So if my conversion rates right. are less than, let's say, like 10%, then I go, okay, the landing page is not selling this piece of content well enough and I need to uh, convince them more of the value. So I might look to the messaging on that page. Um, I might look to you know a video or a headline at quick glance. Can I see exactly the value that I'm being offered for free? Yeah. And those are the improvements I'm looking to make. I see. Yeah, it's awesome um, how you make the distinction there. Um, and in terms of, you know, copy, I mean, either someone listening is a copywriter or, you know, has a copywriter on their team or a whole team of copywriters. Um, and, you know, you're looking to do, you know, research and finding out, I mean, just for yourself, right? If you're hiring someone, it's best also to understand what they're doing. Um, how do you do, how do you do market research on LinkedIn? you know, join LinkedIn groups and, and read or, um, you know, I find it interesting because it's like the nature of LinkedIn in terms of the networks is, it's kind of a closed loop, right? Like a pawn. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you're only connected with so far as, you know, your third degree, right? Of uh, influence, quote unquote. So in terms of that, I think, yeah, is it, um, is it an obstacle to figure out um, and really understanding you know, perhaps you're trying to target a target audience that, you know, you're trying to enter a new, a new vertical, right? And then um, completely removed from, you know, um, that whole, uh, that whole vertical. So in terms of that, could that be an obstacle? And the second question is, um, like what I said previously, um, how do you go about, you know, doing research to figure out what even to ask when it comes to, what would make it appetizing for them? Yeah, it, it's, so. it's really insightful. Uh, first off, I think you can reason through like who are the companies who are either my competitors or are also trying to get this audience that I want to go after. And if you say, you know, hey, uh, enterprise marketers, for instance, I know the big ones that are going after them are going to be like Salesforce and Adobe and, and a few others. And so some of the market yeah. research I can do, I can go to their company page on LinkedIn and click on the ads tab and it will show me their last six months of all of the ads they've run. And oh, yeah, so yeah. a little bit of uh, a little bit of spy action here. And yeah. So, I, oh, yeah, go ahead. So, yeah. So it's like Sam Rush with the paid version where you can see all these. Yes. <laughs> you see all the Google ads they ran in the past. Yes, and, Exactly. And so if I see, you know, what's working for them, uh, they will 
they will hide all of the social proof. So you can't tell which of those ads, you know, how many likes did they get? How many comments did they get? Um, there, uh-huh. there might be a cool way to hack that. I, I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> but as of right now, that's what I do. And then uh, this is against LinkedIn's terms of service. So uh, please don't hold it against <laughs> me. But I can't think of any other way to do this. Uh, sometimes I will change a fake profile, a profile that isn't me, to look like someone in my target audience. So I'll change my job title to be exactly like uh, like someone that I, I want to appear like. Um, yeah. And say I'm a member of, like I work for Salesforce or I work for um, for Google or you know some big organization. And yeah. then I just scroll through my feed to understand what are the ads that I'm being shown. And I'm looking at them through the lens of uh, what here catches my attention and what can I learn to put in my own ads? Um, so yeah, certainly it is against LinkedIn's terms of service. Uh, so yeah. yeah, you may or may not want to cross that line, <laughs> but uh, I do it for market research every so often. Right. Yeah. It's like a test kit, right? Like uh, it, it doesn't, doesn't really hurt anybody. <laughs> yes, I think so. <laughs> Cool, cool. Um, so I want to segue, you know, beyond just, uh, I mean, AJ as the LinkedIn ads guy, um, over to, you know, um, I guess, you know, how, how you have managed to, to build up this agency over, you know, the past, um, you know, five, six years. Um, what, you know, I mean, looking back, um, what has been some of the uh, core principles that you have still... Uh, that you still apply and practice today that hasn't changed since the beginning? (laughs) Well, if I were smart when I started my company, I probably would have developed some additional skills um, to help me in the business. But the way it worked, when I got laid off from my last company, I was a really, really good digital marketer. I understood the principles of marketing, but that was mm-hmm. all I was. <laughs> so when, uh, when you run your own business, an agency, you have to be a sales guy. You have to be a finance and accounting guy. You have to be a good marketer. Yeah. You have to be good at communicating with clients. And yeah. so it was, it was quite honestly very rough from the beginning. I shouldn't have been running this company. But what <laughs> I did is I understood, okay, I'm a marketer and marketers uh, – they generate demand by providing real benefit for people. And at some point, you if you give enough away, uh, people will start to come back to you. And that's what I did. Every time I could join a, a webinar as a, a, you know, a guest to share something I'd learned with a new audience or uh, come on a podcast like this as a guest, share with a new audience. Um, if I could you know, partner with someone else on an ebook or um, – or joint sharing posting. Those are all things that I wanted to do because I knew that if I just didn't ask for anything, but I was, you know, investing my time into uh, creating value at some point that would come back to me. And that's, that's really what I built the company off of this idea that, you know, you can invest your time right now for dollars or you can invest your time for, a lot more dollars down the road. And so I would turn down gigs that paid now so that I could, you know, have two, three, five new clients come on down the road because of some content I created. So my recommendation, invest in the future. And, and, um, you know, what about your, your free time? (laughs) Try it a long time. (laughs) 
<laughs> and your other um you know i mean I mean you seem pretty active guy to me you know um so uh, do you think about LinkedIn ads while you're running <laughs> is the queue of time oh unfortunately <laughs> <Is it something laughs> yeah so here's the deal i i've always uh i've never been a i've never been a skinny person uh so like I'm never winning any races, but boy, I love pushing my body. I love uh, challenges. Um, I, I love you know really challenging myself. So I, I like these sports where things are just hard. I like uh, putting myself through hard things. So in the winter, I do a lot of snowshoeing in like deep snow. Uh, I'll, I'll do skiing just because I live in the state of Utah that's really famous for skiing. Yeah. So I had to try that out and just, you know, not be, uh, not be totally clueless living in an awesome state. Um, in the summer I'm running, I'm swimming, uh, biking, uh, anything I can do there. And then I really like to challenge my mind too. So I'm learning, uh, I'm learning Python right now. I'm taking, you know, some programming classes. Uh, I take guitar classes on, on the, you know, in the side, uh, yeah. I'm learning to drive a motorcycle. Um, I go off roading, and so anything I can do that's that's fun and kind of breaks my mind away from work, I'm all for it. Uh, but I don't I don't get that chance very often. Uh, but certainly LinkedIn ads is on the mind uh, far more than it probably should be. I'm a little obsessed. <laughs> which is which is I think um, uh, I mean there's there's probably no judgment against that because you know um, it's it's even rare that someone would be. Uh, that uh enthusiastic uh and obsessed yes. I guess over <laughs> over their work, right? Um yeah, and it sounds like, you know, a bit of a renaissance kind of uh lifestyle because you uh you do a, a lot of different things. I mean, um after after, you know, challenging yourself all the time and uh observing I mean, I guess as a as a very well performing marketer you kinda had to understand people very well. So what have you learned about uh, about people and and how they interact with one another um you know uh, how are how are relationships built from destroyed unfortunately sometimes um yeah. <laughs> yeah so i mean in terms of that um how how big of a, a factor was that you know i mean beyond just the targeting and all this i mean uh, in my per- in my personal opinion, I think these are just uh, just tools, right, on your tool belt. Uh, but I think the core principle here is you, you still have to understand people because if the tools change, you have to adapt. So um, I think one thing that doesn't really change is um, is understanding of people. So have you ever you know thought about that? And also, um, I mean, now that I ask this question, it's a bit of a close-ended question, but. Um, you know, uh, what is your take on that? Yeah. I, my favorite class in high school was psychology. I've just always loved the way that people think. And I've also been my whole life really anti-sales. Like the worst thing that you could call me to my face is, is a sales guy or like a used car salesman. <laughs> uh, Cause that's just not the way that I do things. Um, so you know, I think, when I approached marketing, it was from this angle of, of psychology. And it, when it really comes down to it, marketing hasn't changed for thousands of years. It's the same process. Someone needs to 
know that you exist, uh, feel the pain that you, that you, uh, you can solve. They need to know, like, and trust you. They need to consider doing business with you. And then they need to close that deal. They need to, to buy from you. And Hmm. you know, this, it's the same process. It always has been, and it always will be, but the channels, the mechanisms we have to reach people over time, uh, they keep changing. And so what I'm always paying attention is, you know, as someone who can smell a sales pitch a mile away coming, uh, I'm always looking for like, Hey, don't scare me away by, uh, by, you know, coming at me with a sales pitch, but also I'm always looking at what's in this for me. And so as a marketer, if I can put my, my own self in the mind of my prospect and find out what matters to them, what do they care about? What do they want? I could write really good ad copy. I, I can give them what they want. Um, and I think this is something any of us can do. If you are selling a product or a service, you know what the value is to your prospect. So just put yourself in their shoes, think at it from, from their perspective as best you can. And that will allow you to be a really good marketer. Mm, yeah. And, and I feel sometimes it's almost like going back to, back to basics because sometimes, especially I think if you're an expert in the product or service that you're, you've created or built, um, it's very hard to go back to the beginning where you're in your <laughs> minds of your prospects. It's true. Of people you're trying to target. So, um, I mean, uh, would you, would you suggest people do triathlons to take their mind off it? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a I think it's a skill you can actually practice. When I look at a landing page, even if I've looked at it you know ten times before, um, I, I'm getting good at where I can distance myself and say, okay, AJ, you are not you; you're someone else. You're looking at the page through fresh eyes, and so I think with practice that comes. You can do that. Um, mm. So yeah, I don't know if everyone can, and it's probably taken me far longer than it should. Uh, but I, yeah. I, I would do the same thing with ad copy. I would do the same thing with, you know, if I'm looking at a white paper, um, you know, put myself in their shoes. Right. And, and um, I mean, since, you know, you're big on LinkedIn, big in the sense you spend a lot of time on it, um, devoted a lot of uh, energy and effort towards it. Where, where do you see it heading towards? Um, you know, in, in terms of advertising, um, uh, is it is it is it very saturated right now, currently, or you know, um, I think like, where where do you see it heading towards, and uh, what shifts do you do you think might happen? Oh man, I have so many thoughts on this. Um, so LinkedIn as a network uh, on the organic side is really exciting right now. And the reason why it's exciting, it's the easiest network in the world to go viral on. So everyone who has a message to share has benefit being on the network. So imagine someone who has a sales kind of job function or, um, or the owner of a company. These are people who get business by being visible, by being public. And so they get so much by being on the platform and, and interacting with people and sharing. So as people like that come to the platform and start spending more time, they're also opening up more ad inventory, keeping prices down for everyone. So mm. I'm a big fan yeah. of what LinkedIn is doing on the organic side. 
I hear people like Gary V. I know we talked about him in the in the pre-show. Uh, <laughs> I hear people like that saying LinkedIn is so awesome organically right now, but we saw the same thing with Facebook where at some point uh, organic reach just got cut off and you had to pay for it. Um, and people are saying, especially like Gary, that this isn't going to last forever. You know, get while the getting's good. I fundamentally disagree. Uh, LinkedIn has a very similar algorithm to Facebook, but when Facebook rolled out the, the algorithm, it cut off organic reach. When LinkedIn rolled it out, it actually benefited us. And the reason is only about 4% of people will share on LinkedIn. Only 4% of people post, but a hundred percent of people need content in their feeds when they log in. So what does LinkedIn put in there? They put in the stuff that, uh, your connections are engaging with. So until people start posting, until everyone is posting on LinkedIn like they do on Facebook, then I don't see that organic reach going away. And it's interesting you talk about how, you know, it shares uh, it shares content that your, your connections engage with. And I think, um, I'm not sure if abuse is the right word. Um, <laughs> it might be, you know, people, uh, you know, trying to game this, game the system like anything. Um, I mean, I, I don't have any like uh, personal opinions towards it. It's not a personal opinion, but, you know, people sometimes they tag a ton of people in the, in the comments or they try to get people to, to share a comment and post, you know. And yeah. um, sometimes I think it detracts away from the... Uh, from really finding out if there is actually true organic value there in the post um, because it's done so, you know, almost mechanically yeah. uh, and forced. Um, in terms of that and also, you know, like trying to catch people's attention, right? Um, yeah. I think, yeah. So like, I'm not sure how you, I'm not sure how you feel about that. Like, yeah, I'm uh, going back to my, anti-sales kind of, uh, bent that I have. Um, I, I think that anytime that I'm feeling manipulated, I, I will rebel. And so if I'm reading someone's mm. post and it looks like they're trying to manipulate me or the algorithm to do something, then I'm going to feel a little bit offended. And, uh, and it will probably be a little bit of a black mark uh, on my relationship with that person. So mm. if I see abuse happening that includes me, uh, I will either ignore it or, uh, or just won't take action. So certainly yeah. people who take advantage of the algorithm, they may get huge results. They may get lots and lots of views. Um, but I also know that when I have a post that goes viral, I don't just have tons and tons of leads in my, in my messaging box. Um, like the leads don't come like that. A, a viral post doesn't mean you're all of a sudden going to get business out of it. Uh, a viral post just means that you're going to be introducing yourself to a lot of new people and you'll be staying top of mind with those who you're already connected with, which are two very powerful mm. things. I'm not discounting them, but um, yeah. I, I would always put the the user first. I would always put my relationship with my connections first before opportunity for virality. So if I tag mm. someone, it's always going to be because, you know, I was talking to this person about this last week and I want their opinion or uh, it, it directly relates to them. If I add a hashtag, I'm probably not going to do more than about three hashtags because over that it looks, 
Instagrammy and spammy <laughs> and it's just yeah. not a great place for it. Um, so certainly yeah. take advantage of what the algorithm offers uh, to try to get better reach, but, uh, but don't do it at the expense of your stuff looking mechanical or looking engineered. And you, I like you how you talked about hashtags. Um, I, I don't know. I don't have much experience in terms of the reach, the size, and the the data to back this up. But I have a hunch that it doesn't quite work as well. Just because for me, I follow some hashtags, but I don't really check them all the time. Yeah. Um, just like LinkedIn, LinkedIn groups, right? As opposed to you know Facebook groups where you have a lot more. Um, I guess features or ways to uh, engage with that close audience there, um, which is interesting. Um, so I don't know, like I feel it's kind of the, the two main things I consume on LinkedIn uh, are either organic posts, like you mentioned, or sponsored content, right? Once in a while as I'm scrolling. Um, so um, I'm trying to think of a question here. <laughs> well, I, I totally uh, get where you're going. Hashtags on LinkedIn are relatively new and not everyone is following a lot of hashtags. So you may find that when you post using a hashtag, you'll get a notification saying, uh, hey, Joel, you are trending for this hashtag right now. And that's really cool. Mm -hmm. But when you trend and it only got you, you know, uh, 200 or 300 views, um, that, that tells you there's not a whole lot going on. There's probably not a whole lot of people who are interacting with those hashtags. So I, I think I'm with you. I probably wouldn't go all in on hashtags. That's, that's not going to be my, uh, my whole strategy for reach going yeah. forward. Uh, but if I have a good reason for you know, a hashtag here and there, I will totally use it uh, if it makes sense. I see. And, and um, I want to bring back to the earlier point where you talk about you know, uh, ad saturation, right? Um, I've heard of this thing on, when it comes to Facebook ads where you, know, you shouldn't try to show the same ad to the same person more than you know, like once a day, for example, right? Yeah. It doesn't quite make sense. Um, on LinkedIn, uh, is it the same case? You know, can some... <laughs> like, I mean... Um, is, is there, is there such a feature? Um, cause I'm not like, actually explored the, the ad section of it. Um, is there such a feature? I mean, how do you, how often do you show that ad to people? And I guess maybe on an offshoot question, um, organically, you know, how often should you post? Ooh, uh, great questions. So on the ad side, there is a mechanism for, for this built right in by default, uh, your ads can only be seen by one person uh, per day. Or sorry, uh, only uh, a person. One, one time, right? Exactly. Yeah. A, a person can only see one ad from your company per day. Um, and that's the default, which is really helpful for when you don't want to burn an audience out. But let's say you've got a webinar coming up that you're, you're advertising and you, know, you only have a week left before this thing goes live and you want to saturate an audience. You want to get in front of them as often as possible. There's a little trick. If you publish um, four ads in a single campaign for sponsored content, then mm -hmm. that qualifies you to be able to serve two ads uh, to the same person every day. So you can go twice as fast. Uh, I don't recommend oh, this usually, yeah. but if you had a good reason for it, that's a cool hack. Yeah. And so on the, or <laughs> on the organic side, you know, because on the paid side, someone's going to be really limited by that, uh, that impression cap. Um, so that 
it's going to be really hard to burn someone out. But on the organic side, you could really post as much as you want. And so what I've found is for me, I really like to post about twice a week. And the reason is Mm. the average LinkedIn user is only going to log in about three or four times a month. And so if I'm, if I'm publishing content uh, twice a week, the chances of them seeing my stuff in their feed feels pretty high. And it Mm. also gives time for, if I have a post go really viral, uh, virality only lasts for a certain amount of time. So if I launch something on Monday uh, and it's doing really well, I'm not going to launch anything until that post really cuts off and, and stops producing a lot of, uh, a lot of viral reach. And mm. so that gives me time to go, you know, Monday nursing that post, keeping it alive until maybe it dies off on Thursday and then I can post again for the week. So in terms of that, like how selective should you be? Uh, or how do you think about it when it comes to um, connections on LinkedIn, et cetera? I will say, me personally, I am very selective about who I connect with. Uh, when I very first started my account, I took what LinkedIn ser- said seriously. Uh, it said, only connect with people that you know. And so I did. I filled my network with the people I knew personally. If we've met in real life and you know we we liked each other, then I was probably going to add you as a connection. Uh, But if someone requested to connect and I didn't know who they were, uh, I would say, well, I I don't know. I don't know who you are. I don't know why you want to connect. So I'm probably going to hold off on having you in my network until we've met. And I have a lot of friends who say, well, that's crazy. The real value in LinkedIn is connecting with people. And once you're connected, you have their email address. So why don't you just connect to everyone possible and then you can email anyone you want offline. There are (laughs) pros and cons to each strategy. Um, My strategy, I don't get as much reach. You know, I've been on LinkedIn since 2004 and I only have, uh, I want to say somewhere, I I think connections wise, I've probably got 4,000 connections uh, and you know, follower wise, I think I might have 7,500 or something. Um, and and so that's very slow growth. I could grow a lot faster if I wanted. Uh, but what I found is because I'm building my network with people who know, like, and trust me, then when I publish content, they're much more likely to hit like comment or share. And those social Mm. actions, they tell LinkedIn that my post has value and that it should go out wider. It should go viral. And so I feel like my network, I have a lot more uh, people I would actually call friends and maybe even go as far to say that some of them are fans who, when I post something, they're excited to to interact with it. And I probably have my content going viral a lot more often than someone who just let anyone into their network. So if you, yeah. if you go that direction and just let anyone in, um, you've got a lot of reach. A lot of people will see your stuff, but chances are they won't feel any real attachment to you. They won't feel like they owe you anything. And I think you'll also end up getting a lot of spam pitches. A lot of people who reach out to connect with you. And then the second you connect, they're sending a sales pitch to you. And I just, I don't like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're probably, probably doing a cold outreach the wrong way. Uh, Yes. Agree. (laughs) (laughs) I see. Uh, I see some similarities. Uh, in you know what you have said, to you know, uh, even you know marketing principles, right? You try to, uh, reach wide, but then, 
uh, only speak to a narrow segment of people. So you, you know, you're more selective with your messaging. Uh, it's almost similar in terms of how you approach uh, connecting with people because you know, paradoxically, your post is going to reach more people if you're more selective with the people you're connected with because they're more likely to engage with the, with the, with the post. That then gives you more eyeballs. Um, so, um, so I think quality, quantity, I think, uh, is it right to say that you're more on a, uh, I guess quality, uh, camp? Yeah, very much so. And I'm probably too conservative. Like anyone here who's listening to the podcast, uh, if you shoot me a connection request that's customized that says, Hey, I heard, I heard you on Joel's show, uh, love the episode. I'd love to be connected. You know, something like that. Um, I'm mm-hmm. definitely going to accept cause I want people in my network who appreciate what I have to say and they are reaching out to me because, because it's me and they want to be connected to me. If I see a connection request that just has the default, maybe they didn't include a message or maybe it just says, Hey, we share, we share some connections. I thought we could connect. Uh, that's probably just a copy and paste to like a hundred people that day. And I'm not meaningful to you. And so I don't want to be connected to you if it's not going to be meaningful for, for at least one of us. Um, yeah. And certainly everyone who's listening, you'll probably sit somewhere in between. You may not be ultra conservative like me, and you may not be ultra liberal like my friends who will just accept everyone. You'll probably find somewhere in the middle where, you know, maybe you're happy to connect with anyone uh, in your industry, um, you know, regardless of what they have to say. And maybe you say, oh, I, I, I don't want to connect with people outside the country because, you know, I, this is the only place where I do I do business. Um, so you may yeah. set some basic rules like that up. I see. And and it's interesting, um, you know, to that point, even just having a message that is templated makes you stand out among all the tons of connection requests, right? So true. So so few people do it. So few people do it. It's uh it's it's ridiculous. I mean, um yeah, like uh I think I've had I've had a bit of success uh you know lending some uh podcast guests where you know the demand for their time is so so huge right um simply because i just send a customized message request on linkedin um you know like i I checked out like you know perhaps like you say you know their free report or their book that they wrote um you know just spend like five to ten minutes of my time to really understanding what uh makes what is meaningful to a person and then connecting that way Uh, i think you know, uh, what's your take on it in terms of how I think uh, the internet and the uh, access and the convenience of it has, um, I think, uh, made us lazier as people because we seem to forget the um, what works in person. You know, it's like yeah. if I come up to you and I say hi and then the next second I forget your name or who you are, what you do, it's kind of... Uh, it's kind of not being very polite. So, <laughs> <laughs> or like, um, I walk up to you, I shake hands, and then uh, I don't really care what you do. I just want to sell my stuff. You know, it, it doesn't really work out. So, um, what's your take on that? Yeah. When I look at my connections that people have sent in, um, I go through a process where first I'm looking for, do I recognize any of these names? Because if I'm in current conversations with someone, 
uh, of course I want to be connected to them or if it's someone that I would, I would know. And to your point about standing out, if you have a message, then I'm going to look through and see the people who have customized messages. And the reason why you're interviewing me right now on your podcast is because you practice what you preach. Um, you you reached out to me with a customized connection request and and said, "Hey, I'd love to invite you to be on my podcast sometime. Uh, would love to connect." And of course, you know, I, I'd be an idiot yeah. not to not to say, "Oh yeah, of course, I want to be connected to someone who you know is <laughs> is willing to share what I have with their audience." So I I think um, from a it's definitely right to say I care about quality over quantity. And there are a lot of people who miss the fact that LinkedIn is a lot like being at a real in-person networking event. If you reach out to someone with a, with a cold sales pitch or a cold in-mail, uh, it's the equivalent of running after them at a networking event with your business card out saying, hey, 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 do business with me. It, it's, you'd scare people. They, they'd be like, whoa, who is this guy? And, uh, but if you come after them with a, a customized connection request, like, Hey, I heard you on, on such and such, or I saw that you, um, you engaged with this post and I love what you said about that. I, I have the same kind of ideology. I mean, you do something that shows that you care about them and it's customized. So it's going to stand out and it makes them feel good because you did a little bit of research. You're telling them, here's why I want to be connected to you. And if people would, would stop making connecting a numbers game and start, making it about building real connections that will provide value for years to come. Uh, I think LinkedIn would become a lot uh, nicer of a place to be. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I just had a very interesting uh, idea in my head. Um, you know, would you um, use a service that allowed you to clean your LinkedIn connections? Ooh, I, I, <laughs> you know, I think I would. It'd be interesting. I have done a really good job of, of pruning out my connections and making sure that I, I know the majority of people. Uh, but I hear uh, all the time from people saying like, hey, there was this time where I used to connect to everyone in like the audio video industry. And now I don't yeah. do that anymore. Uh, and I'd love yeah. to prune out my connections. I think that would be really useful. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I would totally pay for it instead of the brutal time that you, you know, either you do it yourself or you hire someone to manually prune it for you. Yes, that, that's, it's no fun. LinkedIn doesn't want you to, to uh, disengage with people, to disconnect, because connections is how they understand how the world is connected. And so they don't make it easy. They don't make it... Um, you know, really simple to disconnect from someone, you've got to get at least two clicks deep and it's not easy to yeah. do in mass. So I definitely think if you've got a, a solution there, if someone out there has a solution for that, I think there's a lot of people who would probably like to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, we're running out of time, uh, AJ. So uh, one of the last few questions, uh, I think just on a more personal level, um, if you, if you could have uh dinner with you know someone uh living or dead um who would it be Ooh, that's a good question and i feel compelled to come up with like a really smart answer here <laughs> um i i think it would probably be the ceo of linkedin jeff weiner um 
but that's that's awfully on the nose. <laughs> but I, mm-hmm. I think that would yeah. be it. Um, I, I got a chance to meet him. I got a chance to ask him a few questions, but certainly not nearly as long enough. Uh, uh, not nearly as long as I would have liked it to have been. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'll be boring, and I'll say that's probably my answer. <laughs> awesome. So last question: um, How can people get in contact with you? Well, uh, really simple. I actually launched a podcast here a couple weeks ago uh, around LinkedIn ads. So if this stuff is interesting to you, uh, go check out, it's just search in your podcast player, LinkedIn ads show, and you'll see the podcast. Uh, I would love it if you'd listen to that. It's brand new. Uh, no one's reviewed it. No one's listened to it. Uh, so you could be one of the first. Um, that being said, awesome. I, I'm also really easy to get a hold of. If you go to our website, uh, type in b2linked.com. So the letter B, the number two, and the word linked.com. Um, if you fill out the form on any of those pages, you don't go to a sales rep. I don't have one. Uh, you don't get put on our mailing list and get spammed. It just goes directly to my inbox and I'm not a sales guy as we've discussed. So feel free to reach out, ask anything you want. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for your time. Absolutely, Joel. Thanks so much for having me. That's it for today's episode of the Entrepreneur's Tribe podcast. Head over to www.tapeyourtime.com, T-A-P-E-Y-O-U-R-T-I-M-E.com to request for a free strategy call with me to see how I can help you grow your business through video. And if you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, be sure to subscribe and support us. So once again, I want to appreciate you and thank you for listening in because you have a unique story and more people need to hear it. Talk to you soon.